When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is supported by SafeBand. SafeBand is the indigo silicon wristband that lets people know that you or a member of your family has been vaccinated to protect them from COVID-19. And with every SafeBand that's ordered by you, or people like you, we donate one to a frontline key worker or vulnerable member of the community. Slowly, life will return to how it once was. Until then, we're determined to get things back to normal for those who've taken the first step. Find out more by clicking the link in the description or visiting safeband.me. to the chills. So that was Cup Week. I really enjoyed myself in a lot of ways. I, I tell you, you get nervous and then suddenly you're relaxed. And now let's see if our usual friend, Mr Andy Saunders, is relaxed about the week that's been. And how has your last week been, Andy? Been alright, actually. A bit of spring in the air, isn't there? I'm looking out my window at a nice blue sky, watching the robins and the, the birds flying around on the feeders, the squirrels getting busy. It's, yeah, it definitely feels like we're, we're moving into a new phase of the year, which uh, always makes me happy. Oh, I tell you, I, I, I miscalculated. I thought it was this week that the clocks changed. Mm. And it was, you know, that, that's what I really do it's the marking point isn't it when suddenly it's light at 7 15 or whatever in the evening and you go yes we're through winter and yeah. I, I think i think everyone can't wait for that moment i think we all need a bit of light more light in our lives That's i start getting sure. up a bit earlier in the mornings this time of year as well so i got up really early this morning because i've had this issue have i told you about my issue that i've been having with, uh, with, the, mo- with, the, with the with the motorbike have i told you about this no. Oh, okay. So, so I live in a quiet, you know, in a, in a town, you know, in a suburban street. And every morning for the last couple of months, this incredibly loud motorbike, who obviously has either got a dysfunctional silencer or has fitted an exhaust system to make it louder, comes thundering up our road um, and wakes everybody up at kind of 6.30am. And the local residents' association actually sent. I thought it was just me getting a bit nimby about it, but um, but it literally would shake the house as it went past. Um, and I, I got up early one morning and I looked out the window and I kind of saw him. Um, and he didn't even have a number plate on his bike, and it's this huge bike um, that just is enormously loud. Anyway, the residents' association said, "Yeah, we're on it. Everybody's complaining. Everybody for like three streets is getting woken up every morning about it." And the police won't do anything about it because he hasn't got a reg plate. And we're like, "Well, can't you just sort of come?" Because he comes at the same time every morning. 
And uh, anyway, anyway, cut a long story short, I woke up really early this morning. So I was up and I thought, right, I'll video it. And I stood there for like half an hour and it didn't come <laughs> for the first time. So I stood there like a wally for like half an hour thinking, right, I'm going to video him when he comes past. And then, um, then he'll know that he's being videoed. And for some reason, he didn't come. He's probably having a week off. There you go. That was my morning. That sounds like every bird watcher's journey where they go to see a specific bird and you wait for hours and hours to see a bird that's been seen every day for weeks and weeks and the day you go is the day it doesn't appear. So yeah. my, my, my advice is do not give up. Keep going. Oh, you, this... you would not believe how loud this motorbike is. I mean, I, I used to have a motorbike. You know, I'm not, I haven't got a problem with motorbikes per se, but this one has been, I, as I say, either retrofitted with this ridiculous exhaust system or his silence has broken because it's, it's so loud. But there you go. Anyway, well, that was my well, morning. Well, I, I, like, I, was... I love getting up early in the morning, but I'm not an early riser. That's not my thing. You know, I normally get up about sort of 8, 8.30. That's normally my thing, and then I go to bed really late. Um, but at this time of year, I like getting up earlier. You're a bit of an early riser, aren't you? Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's just getting older or because, I, as I said, through this whole period, this lockdown period for the last year, yeah, I've been getting up at about half five, six o'clock a lot. Not so much during the winter because it is just too soul-destroying because mm. getting up before the heating's even kicked in is not very nice. I don't so. like that. But but yeah, I'm get, I'm getting back to it now because I can, I can see that spring is in the air. And, and, and do, you like go, do you take Lulu out for a walk like really early in the morning, or do you sort of no, wait till mid morning? She doesn't get up till about half eight. Right. <laughs> She's she she likes. This is to your have dog rather than yeah. your child, right? <laughs> yeah, this is Lulu, our little American cocker spaniel. Yeah, she's quite happy to lie in. So quite often, I'll get up and get on with with things. And she, you know, if she wants, if she hears me and she wants to get up, she just bashes on the door and then I go and let her out. But um, but most of the time, she she's quite happy having a good old sleep. She likes to sleep, mm. so I, yeah. I let her do that. Um, yeah, it's it's for me. I like working when no one else is about. So I I do I, as well. I get loads yeah. done. I get yeah, loads done between kind of half six and eight o'clock, which is normally when I would you know sort of turn a laptop on. But um, I get loads done. Loads of loads of stuff done. So it's really good. I just think thirty five years of working in the music industry and going to gigs has turned me into a late riser. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's kind of why I moved to the country. <laughs> yeah, because then you're not dictated by your your old ways. You can create new ways. But exactly. yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. And talking of music business, I watched Creation Stories last night. Oh yeah, what um, did you think? Yeah, I I was shocked that you weren't in it. You know, there's <laughs> there's some great stories. Erased, erased <laughs> yeah. from history. I know. I tell you, it's so unfair. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a little bit draggy in the middle, but on the whole, I thought it was great. I thought. I thought it, it captured an essence of, of Alan to a greater or lesser extent. Um, yeah, it was all a bit, um, you know, uh, glammed up for the cinema. Um, but, yeah, I liked it. I really liked it. Oh, um, good. I, yeah, I thought I, it was all right. I, I'm a bit close to it. So, yeah, well, I mean, tough. I didn't mind not being in it at all because when I spoke to Alan about it, he and this is Alan McGee, uh, for non-regular listeners, Alan McGee is the, uh, was the founder and uh, sort of president of Creation Records, which was a legendary independent record label uh, which existed between about 1985 and 2000. And I was the head of comms there for... 10 years i was there from uh, throughout the 90s during the bit prop era and it was oasis and it was primal scream and it was various other things and we were very cool even if i say so myself and alan was a sort of crazy legendary figure who's still a good mate and a mentor um and creation stories is the film if you if you don't know what you're talking about and it's on sky if you're in the uk and you can just search creation stories on sky and you can find it and it's um, but i thought it was right and i spoke to alan about it and he said uh he said look it's 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 Irving Welsh's, who's the guy that made Train Spotting, who kind of wrote it. Uh, it's Irving Welsh's version of me. It's not really me. It's more a fever dream. He said that's why like loads of people aren't aren't really in it. It's kind of like a, just a fever dream about me. I was like, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's sort of an idea of Alan. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he was. Yeah, I mean, it, it is glammed up, as I say, for for the cinema. But it it there's a there's a real sense of truth about it as well. You, you, all these kind of stories have to be written and and have to be 
enacted in a certain way. And I, I, th- I thought Nick Moran did a good job as director as well. I, I like Nick. I've got a lot of time for him, and I, I think yeah. he's done a pretty good job. Um, pretty pacey, isn't it? Moves along. Yeah, it is. As I say, it just weirdly, it kind of drags around the discovering Oasis part. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was a oddly interpreted. I think it's tough because of way Liam and Noel are very distinctive, and I, I don't think they necessarily came across so true to themselves in it don't know it, it was odd but yeah i had no i had no problems with it as a film i'm being nitpicky i really enjoyed it from beginning Good. to well, end i'm glad you enjoyed it as i say i'm a bit too close to it so i was very, very difficult for me to be objective about it but yeah, i didn't hate it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and i loved it because alan said you know they were going to try and get you and mcgregor to play him weren't they yeah and apparently. he said he was too good looking it's too good looking i love that and and that act, that actually sums alan up he's a he's a very honest you know bloke who's forthright he'll say what he thinks he's and, very blunt yeah, yeah he is and I, I love that about him because he'll just go no Yes, whatever you know, you know where you stand with him, yeah. and, that, and that's a rare thing in the music business. Um, there you go. So, so yeah, that's your, that's, oh. your, that's your watching for this week, and a Chelsea fan, of course, Alan as well. Chelsea yeah. and Rangers, so yeah, that's his uh, class. <laughs> classic combo. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but yeah, no, I, I I thought it was great, and and at no point did he ended up like you know the barking dog as it were when he was like really out of it i mean he was he was he was uh, i don't know i i loved it when he was completely out of it because we've all seen how that is and the way they portrayed all the the scenes when he's completely wrecked and things i just thought it was great it it it, it was rollicking um if you can have such thing about a music industry guy who really is the definition of music industry mogul i guess in a way the best way. character in it is jason isaac's la uh, english Ralph. producer which is just brilliant yeah, oh, so di- anybody likes a bit of jason isaac should, should definitely watch jason chewing up the scenery oh great. my God, he's so brilliant when they wake up in that crack den. Or, no, Alan wakes up in the crack den and Jason is still carrying on. Or yeah. Ralph is carrying He's Brilliant. Can you imagine when they said, right, we want you to play this top part, but you've got to be completely over the top. Fine. Thank yeah. you very much. I'll have that. I mean, it is overacting beyond overacting. And it works superbly. Because weirdly enough... We've met plenty of people like that in the music business. So, you know, yeah, it's great. Right. Well, we should go to football now, um, having uh, gone through all that. Um, here we go. It was a funny old week. We were so nervous about Atletico. You know, would they come and attack? Would they do this, do that? What plan would they have? 1-0 was a dangerous scoreline to be ahead by. So the first thing I think we should talk about is... How are you feeling uh, come the afternoon of the game? Well, I think if you weren't nervous, there was something wrong with you because we only had a 1-0 lead. Atletico uh, were our top of La Liga in Spain, above Barcelona, above above Real Madrid. I mean, it's not a classic La Liga season. These are not teams that are at the top of their game. But still, you know, they're, they're, that, that's a decent league and, and they're a decent team. They've got a great manager. Uh, they had a lot of players coming back into this game. We had players suspended. There was lots of reasons to be nervous about it. Um, yeah, so. So, yeah, not 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 confident at all. But yeah, I thought we could do it, but I wasn't confident. No, uh, it, it was one of those, you know. But I, do you remember, I said a few weeks ago, my thoughts were that Atletico are not the side they were and that La Liga is not the league that it was. But, of course, they were still top of it. So we know they... And when it comes down to what was basically... This was a one-off match in the end um, this week. They knew they had to score a goal. Then there's parity. Then anything can happen there. They're the kind of side who could then sit back and hold on to the ball or just let us have the ball, do nothing, and they could go for extra time or penalties. We know that is all in their mindset. Um, What I was worried about was the dirty tricks they might play. Mm. All those sort of things come into play. And you just... Atletico are not as predictable as they used to be. You used to know the game they would play against you, Mm. depending on what the scoreline was. They would play one of two or maybe three ways. But, yeah, I was was very nervous. So, um, But I was also nervous, but in a different kind of nervous way. I was nervous and really looking forward to the game as well, rather than having the fear which has accompanied me quite a lot over the last year and a bit, really. So Yeah, 
It's nice to go into games thinking we can win this. Not we're going to win this, but we can win this and we've got a good shot as opposed to, you know, we could be really plucky and and, and sneak something here and if we don't, it'll be a glorious defeat, which I think is what we've all felt over recent years. Um, But to go into a game thinking we've got a great manager who's got this team playing, we, we seem to have some consistency and some plan and quality players who seem to be buying into what he's trying to do. Nice to go into those games thinking there's no reason why we can't put on a performance here. Yeah, I totally agree. It is not the same as how we felt when we play, played Bayern Munich last year. Even no. before the first game, we are going, oh, we've got Bayern. Oh, well. And, and then it was like death by a thousand cuts, having to then wait so long just to get hammered again. <laughs> so. I mean, the thing is, look, you're going to lose football matches. There's no, no, nobody goes unbeaten forever. I mean, people go on, on long runs like City are at the moment, like... You know, United have been on a, a decent run. I mean, people go on decent runs and, and then they lose. And when they lose, it's not the end of the world because everybody loses football matches. Um, it's the manner in which you lose that's important. If you, you know, go down fighting and uh, you put on a performance and you get beaten by the better team, you know, yes, it hurts. Nobody wants to lose. Of course, it's going to ruin your weekend and you're not going to want to watch match of the day. But but it's not the end of the world if you if you know that the team that you lost to were better on the day because that happens or luck went their way or you know a ball bounced off the defender's backside and went in the goal or they got a dodgy penalty or a ridiculous offside decision I mean all that stuff happens and so the thing about the Bayern Munich game was we were absolutely eviscerated I mean absolutely taken to pieces and I think most of us walked out of that game you know, not if not applauding Bayern Munich, certainly, you know, sort of sagely nodding and going, well, they were by far and away the better team, uh, which they were, and we were taught a lesson in both legs. Um, but I felt in the Atletico Madrid game, the only way they'll beat us is, A, if we beat ourselves and do something stupid, or they're better than us. And I know that sounds really obvious, but I didn't go in there at all thinking we're the underdogs at all. No, I thought there was total parity, and I think that that came across. Um, so, okay, I, yeah, I, I totally accept all that. And the other thing is, you know, if you don't mind losing as well, if your team has given their all and done yeah. everything they can, but just are that. You know, sometimes you lose to a better side, but you've also been crap as well. Um, yeah. But you know, it's that that difference. You go. I think the worst thing is when it, when, when when there's no fight, when it's lacklustre. You know, when 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 we just sort of accepted defeat and rolled over and had our tummies tickled. And I think that happened far too much in the last eighteen months or two years where we were just limp um, and showed no battling qualities. I mean, I think the one thing about this team is there is an energy and a pressing and a, and, and a spark about them that makes you think that they are battling. And, and occasionally, I mean, well, we'll come on and we'll talk about Sheffield United. It'll go off the boil a little bit, you know, for whatever reason. But I don't get the sense that players are hiding anymore, you know, and that, that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm just thinking, Thomas Tuchel, Tummy Tickle. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> That's quite an interesting. <laughs> there you go. Uh, these words. Um, yeah. Okay. So you saw what was the side? Were you were you uh, understanding of the side that he picked? Because of course we had no Jorginho and no Mount, and a lot of talk beforehand was, oh, this is going to be a huge problem for us. This is going to be really difficult without those two. So the team. Well, certainly Mount was a uh, was an issue. I mean, Jorginho. Kovacic, Kante, Gilm. I mean, they're all fairly interchangeable, aren't they? But I mean, Jorginho's been great this season. He, he, was, he wasn't the one I was worried about. I was worried about Mount and the energy and tempo setting that he gives us and the, the forward thrust. Um, but, you know, when, when we saw the team, which was Mendy and Goal, a back three of Dave, Zuma and Rudiger, James and Alonso as the wing-backs, Kante and Kovacic in the middle... Ziyech, which was a, maybe a little bit of a surprise, Havertz and Werner. I mean, I looked at that and I thought, that's enough. That should be enough. Those, those wing-backs are great. Kante and Kovacic is great in the middle. It looks solid. It looks solid enough to defend what we've got, but there's also enough creativity and forward thrust in there for us to, to push home an advantage. I didn't have a problem with the team at all. No, it, it was one of those... It's. It's pretty much, you know, as we've been talking about, the Chelsea team is actually at this moment in time the Chelsea squad and there's a lot of interchangeables. And when you see that we've got certain players out but other people come in 
and they've bought into doing everything the Tuchel way at this moment in time. I, I think, I still think the time to judge him will probably be, say, October, once he's had a, a full pre-season and we see who he moves out and who he gets in mm. um, and we'll get more of an idea of how he wants to change because speaking to a lot of people who know more about him as a manager than I do, this is not necessarily his preferred system. No. Um, so that would imply that he may change or he might go, you know what, I've got enough players here who are young enough and seem to work with this that will stay with this. It, it's going to be fascinating to see how that is. Let's not forget, he got parachuted in in the middle of the season into what has proved to be a frenetic period as a manager yeah. and as a football club. So, yeah, I... I, I, I mean, was... he's already got a load of games under his belt. What's he got now? 13, 14. 14, 14, 14. games under his belt already? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. feels like yesterday that he came in. That's a, that's a reasonable amount of games in such a short period of time. You know, if you look at his win record generally, since he's, you know, it's all around the 70%, 65-70% his win record in wherever he's been, you know, so, and he, he's certainly keeping up with that with us. So, I think we've got a really good manager on our hands. And what's interesting about the really great managers that we've had, the Mourinho's, the Ancelotti's, uh, and the Conte's, I picked those three, is all three of those looked at the squad and played to their strengths and didn't try and force a system on them. Mourinho with his 4 2 uh, 3-1, you know, formation with Drogba at the point and, and the two holding midfielders, which is very similar to what Tuchel's doing, um, although Tuchel's obviously playing with a three, um, that you've got uh, Conte who switched to three at the back because he saw that that would suit the squad better. Managers that come in and look at the players and think, how do I get the best out of them? I know, I'll put Victor Moses as a, as a wing back, that masterstroke from Conte, that type of stuff. That that for me is, 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 is the road to success not a manager who comes in and says, I want to play 4-3-3 and I'm going to play it despite whatever happens because I'm just going to pig-headedly decide that that's going to win us games. That doesn't work. No, I I think that's true. Um, I think he has gone with the players I've got, seeing how they are, this is the system that will work for them. And I think that what you've said about managers forcing their system onto teams... Yeah, sometimes it can shake a team out of its reverie, but sometimes it can just push it to the curb. Uh, and I, th- I think he's done the right thing. You know, he's he has been so calm through this period. And God knows what it must be like for him. I mean, you know, he landed in this country and two hours later he was taking a training session. I mean, he probably... But he's also stepping into the boots of a club legend that nobody wanted sacked. You know, so so there was a lot of people out there desperate for him to fail. You know, yeah. there's no there's no getting around it. A lot of people sat there with their arms crossed, going, "I hope you fail, and I hope you show that the sacking of Frank Lampard was a mistake." I think hopefully now, 14 games in, those people are, are accepting that this is a new era and a new phase, um, and that Frank's not coming back, and there's no point cutting your nose off to spite your face. And just get on board and, 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 and enjoy the ride. Hopefully that's where people are at the moment. But certainly for the first seven or so games, I think a lot of people were going, I don't fully trust him. You know, I, 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 he, he, he feels wrong. It feels wrong to have someone in here when Frank's not here. And I'm not supportive of what he's doing. Hopefully he's changed a lot of people's minds. Do you think, I've got a little theory here, that actually this whole lockdown period with fans not in the ground has actually helped Tuchel I mean God knows what it would have been like in the early days at Stamford Bridge with people being up in arms and amount of people being up in arms about Frank they would have sung Um, there would have been a lot of singing about Frank Lampard definitely and that would not make his arrival as easy as it possibly has been because he's he's coaching in a vacuum so by the time we all get back in the ground he's won x number of games he's changed the system we're already somewhere else. You can't complain about it. I think there could have been the potential for a little bit of a toxic atmosphere about the place with Frank having gone in the ground. And maybe this has helped him. I totally agree. I I think that's a very good point. And I think a lot of people would have been... I mean, I think people will sing Frank Lampard songs. And so they should sing Frank Lampard songs. I mean, you know, Super Frank should be sung for time immemorial, as far as I'm concerned. And I, for one, will definitely be singing it, but not 
I w- I'm not going to weaponize it against him. And I think that's the difference. So hopefully when people get back into the ground, they'll sing Frank's song out of respect and remembrance for, for what he's achieved, both as a player and a manager for the club. And, and that's absolutely fine. But that sort of toxic weaponization of that song to aim it at Tuchel hopefully we'll be past that by the time fans come in. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think him having that period of being able to operate in a in a closed environment has really helped people to accept the transition for when they come back in. As you say, hopefully, hopefully we might have a trophy, we might be in the top four, he might have fulfilled his brief and we might be set up for some exciting times next season and, and that would have dissipated that that potential toxicity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So yeah, let's let's hope that's where we are when we get back. Um, so yeah, back to back to the game against um, Atletico. It was it was everything that people had been talking about that didn't happen in the fact that Atletico did not sit back to start with. But I never thought they would. Yeah, you know, I, they're a funny side though. They can. They, if but I said that, down, didn't I? I yeah, said that yeah. quite forcefully to to you know several people that were saying they're going to play a low block. They're going to bide their time. It'll all be about set pieces and counter attacks. I'm like, no, it won't. They need two goals. They yep. need to come out. I never bought into that low block nonsense. Yeah, I've seen them do it in the past if they need one just to try and find the way to one. But they came out all guns blazing, and again. I don't know if you you think this as well. Quite often, the the one thing I'd say about the continual use of the squad for teams, um, which I think in general works, often there's a settling in period of 10 to 15 minutes of most games for everyone just to get used to each other. And we were attacked by Atletico, especially during those first 15 minutes, where it looked like, oh, they really mean business here. But we managed to get through it and we, we grew into the game. And that, that's what I like about Chelsea. There is a weak period, I think, for the first 10 or 15 minutes of a game if teams come at us. And if they get a bit of luck, they could possibly score. Mm. We've survived so far. Uh, and then we grew into the game. You often found that with Mourinho's teams as well, yes. particularly playing in this system, that the first 10 minutes was all about just settling down. It was all about absorbing, soaking up. Um, taking the sting out of the opposition, taking the heat out of the game. That, that's what it was all about under Mourinho. And then we started to impose our, imp- you know, impose our personality on the game. And people forget how many 1-0 wins there were under Mourinho, how many, you know, scorer goals, you know, sharp shot. You know, that, that's what happened under Mourinho a lot, particularly in our most successful periods. We weren't going out every week battering teams 4-5-0. We were putting in solid, demoralising, you know, uh, hope-soaking performances, you know, that demoralised other teams, you know, through our physicality, our, our uh, ability to, um, you know, to, to, to play in, in a really strong, organised way. And I, I see re- real similarities uh, with what Tuchel's doing. It's, it's about managing phases of the game. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Uh, and I think it's in, really intriguing to watch because you can tell when it's working well or when it's not working well, not by the players, but by the manager. <laughs> he has he has a, a very different air about him when he's not happy with something because he lets everyone know. So he's as just as interesting to watch as the team at times, if you get the opportunity. Um, didn't, th- didn't change his jacket at half-time, Kerry. No. So that's your theory out the window. Well, for this game, it may, maybe just didn't have. You it's know, like he's, a he's, the mo- he's the motorbike of of football. <laughs> you know, the one time that you want him to do it, he didn't. Well, maybe just maybe he heard and, and thought, oh yeah, maybe it is a bit weird. I'll stop because he listens to this. So hi, Thomas. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But you know, back into the game uh, before we really took control. There was one very scary moment when uh, Yannick Carrasco was pulled back by by yeah, Dave. That was um, a penalty. It was a penalty. Stick on. My theory on it and my take on it is Carrasco went down so hysterically it was almost beyond a Drogba dive that actually he lost all sympathy from the ref. Um, that's all I can I can say because they refused to examine it by VAR. I couldn't believe that. 
I no. couldn't believe it. I mean, I don't think uh, Alonso particularly yanked him back, but he made contact and he put his hand on the player. Dave. It was Dave. I'm sorry. What did I say? Alonso. I'm sorry. Uh, That's right. Uh, as Put his hand on the uh, on the player. Um, I don't. I don't think he necessarily dragged him down or did anything that kind of caused him to fall. But he's given the referee a decision to make in a really difficult area. There, um, I was astonished that VAR didn't look at it, and we absolutely dodged a bullet. Yeah, uh, and and it almost felt like it took something out of Atletico. You looked at uh, Simeone, um, who'd been like a barking dog through the whole game um, up until that point. He went silent for a while. Mm. He it, it took the wind out of his sails. Whether he thinks, here we go, we're in one of those evenings where we're not going to get the decisions. Well, if I was in his shoes, I, I would feel exactly the same because for me, controversial, that is the meaning of controversy. Yeah, Great but also as well, you, that point you made about going down too easily, that's Atletico. You know, they do play those games. And I think it probably counted against them on this occasion. Probably came up against a referee and, uh, and, 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 a, and, and a refereeing team that went, we're not going to put up with this play acting and nonsense throughout the game. So all that, you know, clutching of faces and falling over and screaming, it just didn't wash with this particular referee. And I, for one, don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and, and yeah, we would never do such a thing. Oh, Rudiger. We'll talk about him in a bit, but um it, it was it, it it was classic dark arts in places from Atletico, but not done in a classic way. They I didn't I didn't think they were very good at it. I mean I loved, I loved, loved, loved seeing Rudiger sitting Luis Suarez on his ass three, four times in that mm. first half. Fantastic. And I'd say that Suarez, he actually was happy to get off the pitch because he suddenly looked like an old bloke out there. Gone was this mercurial talent who could then do something really horrendous to another player. He just looked defeated. Just a damp squib, wasn't it? I mean, the the player that we were all terrified of over the both legs did nothing, did nothing in both legs, limped off the pitch with his head down, dejected, you know, hopefully heading into some form of lower league retirement uh, and we'll never have to play him or face him again because, you know, he's been a deeply unpleasant stain on the game as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) And yet has such beautiful skills that he's ruined all those thoughts of what a great player he is. And that's that's almost highlights and throws into sharp relief, you know, the the way I feel about him. Because to have destroyed that legacy with that behaviour, I just think is shameful. It's disgraceful. Yeah, I I agree. I've talked to some Uruguayan friends of mine about, about Suarez and... They love him for all of that. It's a, it's a very strange attitude that um, different fans around the world have to, to some of this sort to of behaviour. Yeah, it is. They, they, don't, they, they don't really understand the word cheating. They, they well, it says more about it, them than it does about anybody else, of I course. think. Yeah, it's. I don't. It's how, I don't accept that. That's a. That's that's a. You know, a, a, a cheeky, jolly cultural difference. I just think that's shameful. Yeah, I. I totally agree with you. you know, I hope you took. I hope you took them to task on it. Yeah, you do, but you don't get far with them because yeah. that's how. They but you're are, right. You? There is a. There is a. There is a. It's not just South America. I just think it's. It's in some areas in continental Europe. It's seen as a badge of honour to, to to win to win a situation through through deception. <laughs> Deception, that's probably the best word. It's a clever yeah. deception. They they see that as a as a victory and I, I just I find it appalling. Maybe yeah, maybe I, I'm just an uptight Englishman, but I just uh, I just don't think that's the way the game should be played. Okay, so we'll 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 come to another incident in a minute, but then we scored that goal. I mean, that is everything that shows what Tuchel wants. I mean, the, I, I think it was Timo Werner who set it up from the start, didn't he? Um, and, well, it was uh, the three of them, wasn't it? It was Werner, yeah. Havertz, and, well, Havertz first, and then Werner uh, crossing the ball over to Ziyech. Yeah, but I think Werner won it in the first place, um, just outside our box. Yeah, and then overlapped. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, that, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It is yeah. actually brilliant because there's the interchange, then the overlap from one of the players who starts things off. Uh, and it, it was, it was just a, a thing of beauty. Okay, if you were going to get finicky about it, you'd say, well, actually, Ziyech hit it 
at the goalkeeper, which gave him a chance. But I don't know. I, I think that's that's tough to say. It was a glorious goal, I thought. It went in. It's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, and, and it showed... It was a brilliant that, ball by Werner. I mean, I think that's the oh. thing to say about it. The cross was pinpoint. I mean, Ziyech could have, could have put it <laughs> either side of the goalkeeper. He put it through his legs. I mean, it's fine. It went in. You know, it doesn't matter. Move on. You know, I thought that Havertz's role in the goal was great. It's great to see the three new boys combining for such an important goal. Yeah, and and I, I was really happy for all of them in in ways because I think in that move alone we saw, and I think all three of them had a, have had a terribly tough integration into British football. You know, I think it, it's not been easy for them all on various various levels, from illness to injuries to fitting in, not seeing family, hundreds of reasons. You know, but you saw what each one of them could provide, that actually Werner is going like the clappers, and yet Ziyech, who you've never thought was a particularly quick player, is there in the perfect place to pick up the ball to put it in. couple of stats, right? couple of stats before we go on. So uh, Timo Werner, 10 goals and 7 assists this season, but apparently he's useless. Um, Hakim Ziyech, uh, first home goal in 12 appearances at Stamford Bridge for Chelsea. Uh, four of his seven goals in the Champions League come, have come against Spanish sides, two against Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, once again, one against Valencia uh, and one against Atletico Madrid. Um, it, it, these are not bad players. I mean, I know that there's been some people writing them off already, but 10 goals and seven assists... It's not terrible. I mean, it's not. I mean, he's missed a lot, and he's he's uh, he's been profligate in front of goal. But he's been involved in more goals uh, this season than any other player. You know, he's 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 there and thereabouts. He's he's affecting games, and I think that 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 bodes well. Absolutely. If they can get him right, what the hell is he going to achieve then? I yeah. totally totally agree. And Havertz is just starting to show what he's got in the locker because he's a big lad. But he can move quickly with yeah, the ball. Yeah, he's deceptively quick. Yeah, yeah. he is. Uh, and I like the way that we're starting to see him. You see him make these runs and he's actually looking all the time. Mm-hmm. He's one of those scanning, players. Scanning, as they say. Yeah, absolutely scanning, spot on. Um, and I think, I, I'm really excited about next season. And yet we're already here in this season with uh, an FA Cup semi-final fighting for fourth place, um, you know, a Champions League um, uh, quarter-final. Um, it's, it's all very exciting. And, and I think there is a possibility that this could just be the beginning. I don't want to get overexcited. No, you, uh, we can't get overexcited. But, I mean, you're right to be... You know, you're right to be positive. positive. Yeah, yeah, right to be positive. Can't get overexcited because we don't know what's going to happen. But look, I, I think that I've seen enough of Hakim, uh, of uh, of Havertz uh, in German football from what I've watched to see that he's an exceptional player, that we just need to find a way to accommodate him and build, build the team around him, essentially, because he has that physical strength. He has pace. He's got amazing touch. He's got really good reading of the game. He's got a great understanding of space and he affects games. You know, I think that Havertz is going to be a really, really important player for us moving forward. I think Timo Werner as well, great understanding of space, really good uh, team ethic, a work ethic, just needs to work on his finishing, get that confidence. I think when there's fans in the ground, we'll see a different Werner. I think he'll feed off of that. He'll feed off that enthusiasm. And I think certain other players as well. Same with, same with Ziyech. These are, these are very, very good players working under a manager that I think knows how to get the best out of them. So I think there's every reason to be positive. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, and Hakim Ziyech, well, he's endured uh, a tough old season and he's he's copped a fair bit of flack which i think is unnecessary and unwarranted he looks as though he's just trying to get the measure of the game he's been struggling with injury you know i mean i still maintain playing that one pre-season game against brighton and getting injured just knocked him back so much um, so yeah, you can see he's an intelligent player. Haven't figured out where to play him yet. Haven't haven't no. figured out where to play him. He's played in about three or four positions. He's you know come in at difficult times for the team. He's he's 
he's you know struggled a little bit to integrate i don't know what it's like for him at home at the moment whether he's got a family whether he's happy living in england in the middle of a pandemic all this stuff has got to be a factor i mean those people that are writing players like hakim ziyech off are just i don't know what are you thinking just be patient just accept yeah. that this is difficult times this is transition let's see what these players do let's give them some time this is not fifa this is not a computer game these are human beings they're going to take time to to, to find the rhythm of chelsea football club and uh, you know you look at the results and, and look what we're doing at the moment and just be happy stop caning the individual players it's stupid yeah no i've well said um i i think he shows I think he shows more than any other player on this side that he has that ability to dink the ball and pass the ball in a way that we probably haven't seen anyone do since Fabregas. If you remember that pass that he he made, Fabregas, for that Burnley goal for uh, Andre Schürrle, I think that is what Ziyech has the capability to do. As well as putting the ball in the net and shooting, I think he can make that unbelievable pass that no one saw coming. That's yeah, what I, I think, think that's got. clear. And he did that for Ajax and that's why he was player of the season for Ajax four seasons in a row. You know, that's you know, he he he's he that's his that's his role. We just need to integrate him, find the right position for him, find the runners off the ball for him, give him a specific role, understand what makes him tick and, and it'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I th- I think the future looks bright. Anyway, right, back back to the game. So there we are, 1-0. It's it's all really rather nice. Um and then Rudiger gets a fearful smash from Savage uh and goes down like you know what, the proverbial. Um how did you see that moment? Were you disgusted by Rudiger after what you said earlier about what Atletico players do? I thought it was silly. Yeah, I didn't see it initially. I don't think any of us saw it initially. We just saw the referee walking towards him with a red card. And and then, you know, we saw on the replays that it was actually an elbow into his chest. And if somebody elbows you in the penalty area, I think you're entitled to go down. I think you're entitled to, you know, maybe not so theatrically, but if somebody physically assaults you in the penalty area, which is what that is, if you elbow someone, you're assaulting them. I don't have so much of a problem with that than the person that clutches their, you know, clutches their face. Because um, he didn't do that, did he really? Did he clutch his face? I can't remember him doing that. No, think... but it was, it, you actually thought he had been properly yeah. done. Yeah, um, but it doesn't matter, does it? If you elbow somebody in the, in the penalty area in that situation, you've committed a foul. You know, yeah, it's I, I, it's, a, it's a tough one because I actually thought it was way over the top from Rudiger. Of course, it was way over the top, but you know, it's you, you know, you're playing against an opposition that do that. It's a taste of their own medicine, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh my God, we could argue. I look, I don't care. I, I thought it was hysterical. Look, because... it was a decision that went in the favour of Chelsea Football Club. I'm taking it, mate. <laughs> well, and if you been... don't, you're a plastic fan. <laughs> Oh my God! So, so yeah, okay. I can't, no, I can't listen, go down no, this nobody path. likes to see that in the modern game. You know, I suppose if you analysed it, yeah, he probably went down a little bit too easy. But you know, Savage did elbow him, elbowed him in the chest. You know, he did. It's not like he, not like he faked it, is it? I mean, he did, he did hit him. Yeah, Were you disgusted I, and outraged? Did you send a letter off to the BBC? I have. I've written to points of view. <laughs> Are you disgusted at Tunbridge Wells? Took, wasn't it? Mm. Barry Took's point of view. It was about the most pointless programme in the world. It was always on about half twelve. Dear BBC, in. why oh why oh why? Why? <laughs> why I oh, was why, shocked. Oh, why? Nay, appalled. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but were, you, anyway. were you genuinely? Were you like? Were you? Were you outraged? Uh, no, I wasn't outraged. I thought it was funny, but I had to question myself because I thought it was funny and I moaned about other things that Atletico did. And it, I did think I had blue-tinted glasses on and I accepted it and went, I you know don't what? Think, I don't think that Chelsea and the players at Chelsea are serial cheats. I don't think that we do this as a matter of course. I don't think it's something that is in our DNA. I think if it happens on occasion, it's usually a reaction to the team that we're playing. Um, If he'd have done that, you know, in a game that wasn't against an opposition like that, I think I probably would have felt a little bit more embarrassed about it. The fact that it was Atletico Madrid, it was like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, all bets are off. So basically what you're saying, what he did with Son against Tottenham was acceptable as well. 
Do, do you remember that? Where Rudiger got done by Son? Yeah, I thought that was a red card. Oh, yeah, it was a red card. But again, it was it was a, an overreaction. Well, maybe, but it care. was a red card. He didn't yeah. get someone sent off. It was a red card. Yeah, it was. It was a ridiculous moment. But it did look as though he may well need stitches. Um, uh, I don't have so much of a problem with that. I mean, what I don't like is cheating. Cheating to get someone sent off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's okay. like, no, I get your point. Uh, you know, there is an initial bit, contact. Which yeah, the, makes, the theatricality yeah. of it. That's subjective. You know, you either you either you, you know you look at that and go, well, that's ridiculous. It's literally cheating. Do you know what I mean? That I yeah. don't like, and I think that's the problem with a lot of South American teams or South American players. I mean, maybe that's a massive overgeneralization. You know, maybe that's xenophobic. I don't know, but yeah, you know, it does seem to be more prevalent, as you say, from your friends in Uruguay amongst a certain you know a certain mindset. And and I, I think actual cheating, I have a problem with somebody going down a little bit more theatrically. Like, so, for example, I didn't have so much of a problem with uh, with, with Carrasco going down under the the, the Aspelicueta challenge in the penalty area. For me, that's not cheating. That's just over. That's over theatricality because that was a penalty. Yeah, and actually, all these players are just trying to accentuate that the foul has happened. So, yeah, yeah I get it. They're not creating a foul out of nothing. Exactly. And pretending. Yeah. No. Okay. I. That, I think. I think that's rational. Uh, or as rational as we'll ever be about yeah. football. I mean, like, um, obviously, 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 we're Chelsea fans. We are going to look at it with blue-tinted spectacles. We are going to be hypocritical. Um, football is full of hypocrisy, you know, when, when, it's, when it involves your team. I fully, fully accept that, you know. But in this particular case, my problem was with cheating, not, with, not necessarily with theatricality, which I just sneer at, you know, yeah. and, and kind of raise my eyebrows out and don't be so silly. Actual cheating pisses me off. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. Well, anyway, after Savage had gone, who I think is one of the most overrated players in the world. He was overrated anyway. at Man City, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, well, they got shot of him, didn't they, when they yeah. realised that he was, you know, nearly as bad as uh, some of their worst centre-halves. So, yeah, I, I thought he was awful. But, um, yeah, with him gone, um, we seem to be taking total control Um the prowling Simeone who kept crossing over. It was quite, there were some interesting moments when you saw Simeone crossing into, you know, uh, Tuchel's path. And Tuchel, I think at one point, had a little go at him and then sat down. So that, that was quite interesting to see that interplay. But he kind of calmed down after that. Simeone didn't go nuts at, at these things, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, the barking dog was silenced. And well, I, I he did. He did that. afterwards. He said they were beaten by the better team, which is unusual for him. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah, but actually, Simeone, most of the time, he's one of those people, you can't stand him, but he's usually honest in his appraisal. If the, he'd thought they got robbed... He would say so. But to, I thought it was magnanimous and generous of him, knowing the kind of character he can be, to say, look, you know, they were the better side over two legs. Uh, and I, th- I thought that that was that was okay. He got I think football's some... a better place for Simeone. I mean, I think yeah. that he brings a passion and a a uh, just a flair about the game and about his management style. He gets players up for the game. You know, he he's he's a team guy. I mean, I, there's a lot to like about Simeone. I mean, I could do with a you know with less of the theatrics to be honest but there's a lot to like about the way he approaches a game with such full-on commitment I quite like that about him yeah exactly and look you know that you're in a a good old proper situation when you see someone like Simeone on your touchline at Stamford Bridge this is what we want at Chelsea so I mean you know Tuchel had you know what did he have Leeds before that so he had back-to-back Argentinians to deal with before that didn't he Bielsa and, and Simeone two very different coaches yeah no it's true so okay um the last word on this must go to Emerson who came on and with his first touch Stroke the ball into the net like a striker. Showed uh, them how it should be done, didn't he? He really did. It was a lovely finish. Well, great um, finish. Perfect finish. I mean, I thought yeah. it was, you know, absolutely, you know, absolutely blinding goal. Yeah, and um, apparently he's a, he's a great trainer as well, and he uh, he is one of the top players at Chelsea. I I don't mind Emerson at all. I know there's no, a little bit of there's a there's a lot of you know sort of. 
you know, slight kind of sneering at Emerson. I, I think he's a really good pro. I think that he comes in, he does a job whenever he needs to do a job. I think he fills in. I think he's got enough quality for us. I don't think he's ever going to be a legend. I don't think he's ever going to uh, set the world on fire and nail down a place for 35, 40 games a season. But I, I, I have no problem with him as a squad player at all. I think he's comes on and he plays a, a level that I think is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and he seems to be liked a lot by the players around him when you watch everyone celebrate. I mean, that's the thing. We are seeing this unity. So, yeah, that was it. That that's was what you want a- from a squad player, isn't it? Sorry Absolutely. to interrupt, but you want a squad player that you know is ready to come on and do a job and doesn't moan about it and doesn't need four games to get into the game. You know, we need you, Emerson, to come on and do the specific role. Yes, boss, I'm on there. I'll do it. It happens. So no problem with Emerson at all. Excellent. Right, well, we better go to a break because we're a little bit late and we'll be back after this. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Right, we're back. Uh, it's going to be a shorter second half, um, naturally. Um, we should just mention, Andy, the Champions League draw. Now, this is the first time for a long time we've been in the quarterfinal draw, but we also got the semi-final draw. Mm. And then... In effect, that's the final draw. So we know the route planned. Now, beforehand, we all had our own views of what we would like to get. And for a lot of people, I think getting Porto out of the hat was perfect, especially playing the away leg first and then home second. Yeah. Um, So were you happy with that? You can't not be happy with that when you look at the other teams uh, still left in the draw. I mean, Porto are no mugs. They they had that incredible game against Juventus where they uh, managed to to win. Uh, They are going to be, again, a really good team. They have a good spirit. They're very unified. Um, They're going to be tough to break down. They've got a bit of flair in there. You know, a bit like Atleti, they're not going to be a pushover, but we should have enough in the tank to beat them. Yeah, and then if we do beat them... I'm, and I'm not going to, you know, count my chickens, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if we do beat them, then it's playing Liverpool or Real Madrid, both of whom are not having great seasons, but both of them whom seem to really pick it up for the Champions League. That'll be a tough one, but it's going to be tough in the semi-finals anyway. Personally. I'd like to beat Porto and then I'd like to play Real. We hardly ever play them. Two reasons. Be lovely to see Eden Hazard watching on from the stands because he won't <laughs> be playing. Um, and also to stick a few past Thibaut Courtois after the things that he said when he left Chelsea. That's, that's my view on the draw. Thibaut Courtois thing got massively over-egged. You know, I'm not going to get drawn into that little psychodrama. Um, the uh, Eden Hazard thing is very sad, I think. You know, I mean, I, I wish no, only the is. best for Eden Hazard, but he seems to be having an absolute nightmare there. I'm with you. I don't want to play Liverpool again. We play Liverpool all the time. You know, certainly don't want to play them in the Champions League because uh, although we've had some incredible contests against them, we've done that. Let's play someone we haven't played. Let's play Real Madrid, as you say. We don't play them enough, you know, and yeah. I think it's uh, it will be a great time to play them. Uh, a good test, um, but let's get past Porto first. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, we move on to the the more glamorous FA Cup draw against Sheffield United. And I guess, you know, we won't dwell too long on this, but um, I guess the most exciting thing that happened uh, on Sunday against Sheffield United was the team news. Because mm. they got it wrong twice. Yeah, exactly. Three sets of teams. I mean, Andy, in your world, when you're giving information out to the public, 
if you put out the wrong statement or the press release that you wrote three press releases ago, what happens? The world goes up in smoke, doesn't it? And, well, you and end up getting fired is what happens yeah. normally because you've, you know, caused you know, embarrassment to your client. And whoever's doing the social media uh, uh, stuff at Chelsea needs to have a, at least a very strong word taken because they put the Leeds team out, essentially. Um, yeah. And we all went, oh, this is a strong side. They're putting out against Sheffield United, uh, thinking this isn't this is weird. Um, but, you know, then, then we got the right line-up. And, and even that was a little bit surprising. Um, Kepper in goal, which I think most of us thought would probably happen. Uh, then Christensen, Zuma uh, and Emerson in a back three, odd seeing Emerson there. Um, and then Hudson Adoy and Chilwell as the wing backs. Uh, Gilmore and Kovacic, nicely Billy Gilmore in the middle. Um, and then Mount Pulisic and Olivier Giroud up front. Yep, that was that was the the, the side. Um, and it was a it was a dour old performance, really, wasn't it? I mean. It, the, the team, well, you know, whatever works for a, an FA Cup game like this, you kind of felt we'd have enough in the tank. But boy, did we ride our luck. And, it, you know, the the man who refuses to not score against us, McGoldrick, finally did refuse to score against us when he had probably the best opportunity of the match. That was astonishing, um, that miss, wasn't it? It Bloody was. Hell. And Kepper had gone the wrong way as well. So I think it would have been really tough. Although I'll say Kepper did make a couple of saves. And also, what about his rockabilly quiff that he's now mm. um, sporting? Yeah, he's, he's rocking He's rocking the kind of Mark Ronson look now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, I think... Uh, I know everybody's down on Kepper. I don't think he's got a future... At- at Chelsea Football Club, but you know, clean sheet. Got to give him credit. You know, it's it's he did fine. Whatever he had to do, he did well. Didn't make any particularly bad mistakes. You know, let's just get off his case. You know, and 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 just just move on from the Kepper hate. You know, it's pointless. It doesn't achieve anything. Um, the, the the problem with the, with with um, with the game yesterday Sunday was uh, it was the first time I think Tuchel kind of out tinkered himself. I think he kind of confused himself in the end. I mean, at one point we had four fullbacks on the pitch. Yeah. Um, the subs were weird. I just think he's trying to give players a game. He's trying to utilise the squad. He knows he's got uh, an international week coming up when players are going to go away and potentially play a couple of games. He's trying to to use these games to, to keep people happy. I know what he's doing. We all know what he's doing, but it just ended up in a complete mess, I think. So for the first time, I sort of looked at Tuchel and thought, do you actually know what you're doing here? Because it, uh, it just, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was incredibly unbalanced and illogical at times. Yeah, and, and you look at the first half, we were 1-0 up and we hadn't had any shots on target. I know. That kind of said it all. But the, the, the one thing I'd say uh, about Tuchel is... I thought it was interesting to listen to after the match because he actually came out with something we've not heard him say, which is, my players were tired. Yeah. Everyone was tired. He was right um, as well. Yeah, he was. Uh, well, he must be tired. Yeah. I, I would think he's as tired as the players. You know, actually, maybe the international break may do them all some good. I don't know, for a change. Although I hate the international break, oh, but uh, that's another story. What, I mean, but... why, Kerry? Why? Why are we having to now stop our momentum and play these bloody pub games and, you know, yeah. and, and risk our players getting injured? Why do we have to do that? Stupid. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree because we, we always struggle coming back from international breaks and there's always someone that you go, oh, no. It's always someone who's just started getting it together who picks up an injury. So We know um, that Mendy's not going, don't we, because he's got a toothache. Excellent. He's I having, a, he's having an operation on his teeth during okay. the international break. I don't know what that's about. He needs to clean his teeth better by the sounds of it. <laughs> Okay, well, well, we'll pass on that that little nugget. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who's who's um, not going. There's a few players who aren't going. I think so. Well, I mean, the good thing about the English players is, you know, you've got Callum Mount. Well, Tammy's injured, as far as I know. He's still got this ankle injury that's niggling him away at him and not allowing him to do it. So I doubt he'll be getting any games for England. Uh, you'd think Mount and Chilwell would certainly play at least one of the games, but they're not difficult games. Um, you know, we're playing San Marino and who else? Can't even remember. Someone oh, rubbish. I don't know. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and Hudson-Odoi will probably come on and get minutes, but these are not, you know, full-on 
big qualifying Spain, Italy, France games. You know, they're they're games that shouldn't be too taxing for our English players. Um, you know, so I'm not too concerned at this stage. But um, yeah, I mean, but that's what we don't want. We don't want them to come back tired, and we don't want them to come back injured. No, I'd agree. Um, so we'll see. Okay, back to the Sheffield United game. Um, my last take on it uh, is the best things we got out that we can take out of the Sheffield United game is that Christian Pulisic slowly but surely is starting to turn back into the player. There was one moment, that rollover thing that he did, I, I drag back, drag forward, I don't know what it was, when he was on the right of their penalty area mm. and he went through two players. Yeah. Just incredible. Uh, and He's you got can see... Thing. Yeah, but that's the point. He hasn't had the confidence to do that. And he's in the team, I think, to do that type of stuff, you know, to to do to do the kind of bamboozling things to defenders that that create opportunities. And his hesitancy and his timidness and his lack of belief in himself has been lacking up until now. There were definitely sparks. I don't think he was man of the match. I still think there's there's a long way to go. I, but I thought there were moments where you're absolutely right, where you go, okay, well, maybe this is starting to come back into focus for him again now. But, you know, all this kind of, you know, sort of rolling around the floor when he, when he got kicked. I mean, Eden Hazard got kicked 40 times a game and he just got back up. And Pulisic just got got to learn to take that kind of punishment because he was clearly targeted um, and, and there was a lot of kind of time on the floor, you know, clutching clutching bits of his anatomy. It's like, you've got to toughen up, boy, if you're going to play in the Premier League because that's going to happen to you. You know, you're that player they're going to target. Um, but yeah, there were moments. There were definitely moments. Man of the match for me was Kurt Zuma. I thought he was absolutely toweringly brilliant. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. Um, um, and and he, I, what a great example of a player taking his opportunity. What we always say, you know, you don't look like you're going to figure in 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 the, in the first choice uh, in the manager's eyes. It looks like you're going to be a second choice centre back. You know, when you come in, you've got to take your opportunity. The times he's come in in recent games, he's played brilliantly. I also think, don't you think he looks leaner than I've seen him in a, a number of years? He looks really fit mm. you know he looks he, fit he, definitely yeah yeah definitely so he was great uh, and i'd also say that on the whole billy gilmore was fantastic started um, off a bit slow but that's fine yeah, that's to be that's to be understood yeah that's uh, to be but, that, that, that's that's to be understood i mean i think that he hasn't played a lot of football he's probably a little bit rusty but yeah i think he's he's a confident young player who relishes the chance to start and looks built for the team absolutely he's he's yeah. he's definitely one to be positive about yeah and Tuchel said look i don't want him to go anywhere he's just unfortunate that he's got Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic ahead of him mm. but you can see that he's he is ready made to come into this squad properly if the if the chance arises. So I, I think he has to bide his time. I know that he wants to play football, but he's also an intelligent kid. He'll know that actually he is next in line for the throne. It's not midfield. hurting his chances of, of, of progressing as a player being at Chelsea. No, it's not. And again, he looks fitter. He looks as though he's got more meat on him. He looks harder to shrug off the ball. And he was a tough little so-and-so anyway mm. before, but he looks as though they've been working on him. And that's what I like at the moment, as we are seeing players we haven't seen for a while, and they look different. Mm. Plus, he looks a little bit like D'Artagnan from the Three Musketeers at the moment. Really? <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. What a strange no, take. No, did you not see? No, did you not see his goatee and everything? He looked very Three Musketeers. Okay. Um, that's why. Um, he he <laughs> looked... Yeah, if you look at it, he does. Okay, I'll go Trust back and me. look at it. Yeah. Do it. Um, okay, look, we, we we should just mention as well, Ziyech, that finish was beautiful. Lovely ball from Chilwell. Two yeah, goals in two games. Yeah, absolutely. But what a finish as well. Yeah. The, the, the way that he went with the left, then finished with the right. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, look, that's us just about out of time. Um, Man City in not... the next round. Oh, God, yes, we should mention that. Man City, easy. I'm not even going to worry about that. I think game. they're beatable. 
I do think they're beatable. beatable. Everybody's beatable. I, I think their defence is beatable. I think we're solid at the back. If we concentrate, if we're, if, if we're you know, well-drilled and, and, and we have a good strategy for the game and we really work on it, there's no reason why we couldn't get a result against them. I mean, they're a fearsome opponent at the moment. They are the, the global form team at the moment. But uh, I, I think that this Chelsea team could beat them. I genuinely do. What I think is it will be competitive because we're yeah. a pretty strong force. We're not well going to roll over and have our tummies no. tickled. No, no, I, I, I'm fascinated by that one because I now think we are playing Manchester City at the right time. Yeah, and I think we'll. We'd have to play him anyway, game. wouldn't we? We'd have to, you know, yeah. we'd have to play him in the final anyway. So yeah. we might as well play him now. I'd rather go out to him in the semi than the final, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. It, it, there's nothing worse than losing a final to a side and you didn't get into the game or anything. You know, so Back-to-back yeah. back FA Cup final losses would be hard to take, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Right, well, that's it, Andy. We're out of time. We're not going to be here next week because of the... Stupid international, international break. break. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, if people want to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Uh, they can follow us on Twitter at, at Chelsea Podcast. They can follow me on at Mr. A Saunders. They can follow you on at Kerry Levy, which is C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. On Instagram, it's at The Chelsea Podcast. Uh, I'm on at One True Saunders, and you're on Kerry Levy One. There you go. That's it. We're out of time. Well, look, um, I hope you get through the international break. I hope it's not too traumatic for you. Um, We will be back um, after that when we will discuss uh, what will be the next game. I I suppose it's going to be Easter, isn't it? Mm. Uh, Chelsea versus West Bromwich Albion. West Brom Um, and then Porto, isn't it? Yeah, that's on the following Wednesday. So, Mm. yeah, okay. I'll get a quick prediction. Chelsea, West Brom. Uh, we'll beat West Brom 3-0 OK I'm going with 2-0 with I don't think we've worked it out score 3 yet but you never know we might well do it alright that's us out of time we will see you all again uh, the week of the 29th no the week of the 5th that's the one isn't it after Easter that's when we'll be back um, right alright Andy well look take it easy my friend and, and we will speak after Easter take care This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.